Hello, we are the Edgy Futurists. I'm Dan Fitzpatrick. I'm Ben Whitaker. And I'm Stephen Hope. The Edgy Futurist Vault. The Edgy Futurists Vault. So on today's episode of The Vault, we're joined by Peter Lee to discuss Bet 2019 award winner, Learning by Questions. Peter, can you please give us a, a bit of your background before we get into the two Learning by Questions today? Sure. I've, I've been around EdTech for just over 20 years now, I think, so... Uh, I, I I cut my teeth at Promethean, so, so I was one of the early starters, one of the early adopters down at Promethean when whiteboards were were still in their infancy, and uh, I spent a dozen years sort of working through the ranks there, taking that to market, um, and then probably years ago, myself and Tony went and set up LEB Park, which was our, our route of starting to work with the learner response market. Um, we we we'd then gone through sort of twelve years of of that, along with panels and all the the other kind of stuff that we were doing, but really using that as an R and D journey in towards the learning by questions agenda, which we we sort of started, as you will know, sort of about two and a half years ago, but, but really only appeared as far as the market's concerned about six months ago. So it's been it's been a you know very build up to this really. Yes, yeah, so we we um, we were really pr- privileged, me and Dan, to uh, to be at the school where Tony, who we talked about, Tony Cam there, the founder of Promethean. Um, he was the chair of governors there at the time, and I okay. know that he uh, he he was very very. He had a great impact on my career in terms of the the, the idea around technology and about why we needed to do that for the. And Tony was always always talking about the mastery curriculum. I know he, that was really big for him. Uh, he wrote a re- an article about that, and so. Could you tell us a little bit about how learning by questions is 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 an evolution away from just hardware, but more around this mastery curriculum and what and what it what it does? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, you, you'll you, you'll know you you've been influenced if you like, or, or certainly been coming across Tony's bounds for for a number of years. Um, and, and this agenda has always been a, a real passion for him, anyway. Um, you know, when you engage in conversation with him, he'll he'll tell you his disappointment in whiteboards, not commercially. Not in terms of um, you know the impact they would have had education as a whole, but his his disappointment in in the fact that he couldn't see a benefit down to the to the learners aspect. And once they were in the classroom, you know, obviously they were very successful. So there'd always been a passion from the hardware point of view to to, to try and engage better with the learners, better informed teachers. So we went through several steps there in the Promethean days. You'll, you'll remember the very early um, ActiVote systems, um, you know, really very amoebic ones that looked like matchboxes and mm-hmm. then the, the egg-shaped ones that everybody seems to remember and still love, um, you know, which were very basic but allowed you that, that ABC general input, tell me what the whole class knows at any one point, and a, and a very basic bit of marking in there, really, so, um, and I guess things became more more elegant when we got the the active expression um, element. Um, obviously, that allowed us to do more with the with the QWERTY keyboard and so on. Um, but we started to to work with the self paced aspect and the fact that we could work through blocks of questioning with children at their own pace rather than that that whole class response. So that's when things started to get quite interesting. And, of course, the big challenge there was there was no intent to support it. 
So, so probably the biggest failing of any piece of hardware, there was no, no content, no software to, to, to really support it, and therefore became very teacher onerous in terms of setup, etc. So, so really, the notion of moving over to a to a software platform that was going to be agnostic to device really took that pressure away. It didn't matter what software platform you were locked into. So, you know, whether you were a Quizdom user or a an active expression user using Inspire or whatever, you were always locked into that platform. Whereas, obviously, if we made a web-based application, then we could simply open it up to the masses, and that wouldn't matter whether you're you're a Chromebook estate or a, a, a Microsoft estate or iPad or Android or whatever that be. As long as we can deliver to Apple browser, then then we've got the opportunity to deliver down good quality content. So, um, so really, the drive to go there was because of that. We could literally um, start to deliver this to any school, irrespective of, of budget or or standardization on what devices they had or whatever that be. It, it opened up the agenda to one Yeah, that uh, the whole idea of live in the moment assessment, it's kind of like the the holy grail of of ed tech really isn't it in that uh, assessing, sure. se- assessing where every student in the class is at any given time um in order to ensure that students are learning um and there's lots there's lots of new apps coming coming about um i've used one recently called plickers and but i think what what's kind of yeah. what seems unique about um learner by questions is that you you're creating the content there as well. It's not just the technology to be able to do it. It's not just the assessment tool, but it's it's the content there as well. Could you tell us a bit more about the, the types of content that you have? Yeah, I think there's twofold, actually. Just picking up on your, on your first point about this grail, it's a comment I got a lot. In fact, uh, I was working in a, a primary school this afternoon with a maths hub, uh, not a million miles from, from yourselves this afternoon. It was, uh, it was lovely. Um and and the same exactly the same words came out rail of um, of delivery real time feedback and uh, an in class assessment and so on. And the thing is, whilst it's being seen as this grail and everybody's using this term, nobody disagrees. It's it's not rocket science. It's a very yeah. very obvious thing. Yeah. Um, and it just seems to have been missed for so long. Um, and 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 simply everybody's embracing and sitting there, there with their arms open and saying, well. Well, of course, kids will improve if we tell them why they're wrong and help fix them. Um, and so it's quite, <laughs> or, 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 you know, quite a bizarre concept um, that the, the, this grail-esque um, things coming around it at the moment, which, uh, <laughs> but it's not what you asked me. Um, <laughs> regarding the, 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 the content, um, the... The content, again, it goes back to what, what I said about active expression. I think the, the notion of the way active expression actually worked was, was pretty well executed. It worked very, very well. It wasn't reliant on him. Uh, a Wi-Fi infrastructure it was a, a, a simple plug and um, that could create its own network, so it was plug and play. It just worked. Uh, the hardware was pretty robust and was good for kids. And so the problem was this, this zero element of content. And so consequently, what happened was you ended up with, with two groups of, of, of teachers. You would either have the likes, I am probably talking to the likes, and the, the fact you're running a podcast like this, you would sit down, you would put some energy and, uh, and invest some time into creating a resource you could use over and over and over again and, and, and reap the benefits of that with the learners. Uh, but that was 
a nominal amount of teachers that would do that. And, and I fully understand why, you know, workload pressures and, and day-to-day life and everything else is very hard. I find time to make quality content for class and so on and find that and build that into your life, etc. with all the other pressures of teaching. You either had the, the people who would make it, which wasn't enough people, or then you had the masses. And, and what they would do was, was actually use the system to know its capability. So it would simply be used for ad hoc questioning. So it would get very quickly shoehorned into the plenary or the starter. It would be a couple of quick clicks, a little bit of engagement, and, and didn't really make any agenda catch light. And it all came down to the same problem, that there wasn't content to support the teacher in the classroom who could see the benefits of this kind of pedagogy. Why the drive for content came through. Um, so where we sit at the moment is we, we've really gone for the heartland. Um, we started with years five, seven, eight for maths because we, we could get right to the right into that, into the glut of it and try and offer benefits to to obviously both primary and secondary. So that's quickly expanded. So we are completely as far as key stage two and three is con, uh, concerned for maths. We use the White Rose model, not the content, but their model. And that's every topic that's appropriate to be used with some kind of mobile device. So obviously, the, the the objective of draw a triangle or a circle, still draw a triangle. Um, but if we're doing improper fractions, obviously, a device like this could be appropriate. So we are complete for the entirety of that maths curriculum. We're now well into the journey as far as uh, primary literacy and secondary English is concerned, and then primary science and the three breakdowns of sciences for, uh, for key three. So main objective is to complete those over the next few months, and then we will have the entirety of key stage two for, if you like, the big three of English, maths and science complete. Um, after that, it's, it's probably a bit of a bun fight in, with inside uh, LBQ as to where we go next. Uh, to a degree, that will be away from me. Uh, that'll sit with our content team. Uh, but it will be, do we go to key stage four or do we go to key stage one? And which subjects do we look at to to get the benefit to next? And so I think the, the importance is to keep up the quality that's been identified. And most importantly, I think, to to con- really to complete that depth that's coming through with it as well. I don't think there's any... The, 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 in fact, there's zero point, uh, particularly if you look from an, an app point of view. We all see this a lot, I know. But it'd be very easy for us to produce six lovely examples for geography and say, aren't we clever? There's six lovely ge- geography examples which benefit nobody other than us showing off and, uh, and, and showing some nice ideas. If we enter into a subject area or a key stage, then it's a question, it's not just about those little token um, type gestures. So, so like I said, the, the, the main task is pick three subjects across key stage two and three, then address do we go to key stage one or four and address which subjects we go to next after that. Brilliant. And I, th- I think there's loads of different strands to the EdTech strategy. And I think that um, learning by questions is a great way that staff can improve their efficiency and workload uh, and use teacher-created content uh, for their students. Um, I think a worthy winner of the Bet Award, and it's going to be great to have you um, at our summit uh, on the 12th of July. So uh, from Thank us... Thank you very much. I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming to the event, actually. 
Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're excited. But I think if people haven't used it, uh, you can uh, go to the website at lbq.org uh, and go find out for yourself the amazing content that's on there. So, Peter, uh, it's been a privilege to have you on. Uh, uh, cheers. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.